unrest in the wake of recent events has left us vulnerable. Everyday Americans feel it. While we love heroes who put their lives on the line to defend Earth, we also need a hero to defend this country. We need a real person who embodies America's greatest values. We need someone to inspire us again. Someone who can be a symbol for all of us. So, on behalf of the Department of Defense and our Commander-in-Chief, it is with great honor that we announce here today that the United States of America has a new hero. Join me in welcoming your new Captain America. I'm Derek. And I'm Noah, and you're listening to A Bite Of, where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and enjoy it one nibble at a time. And we made it to the next pop culture property that we're covering, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Holy smokes, folks. It's a whole new bite. Yeah. I I mean, I'm still not... I didn't pull myself together completely after WandaVision. It, two weeks felt like not enough time to just come to grips with what happened to our favorite odd couple. I am still fully devastated. <laughs> Um, and even if I see any sort of memification of it, I'm still very upset. <laughs> I need it in my life still, and it's not coming back, and I just have to deal with that, and I think it's going to take some time. What is that thing? Is like with a breakup, you have like half the time to mourn the amount of the relationship, so nine episodes, so I get four and a half episodes. That's reasonable. Okay. I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Two and a half more. Yeah, and <laughs> I think it also doesn't help that we have to wait like over a year for Doctor Strange 2 to come out. Yeah. Meaning that's the next time most likely we're going to see anybody from there. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. But we will try and heal that wound with this next bite. <laughs> yes. I mean, we are getting so much content this year for Marvel. I'm so excited. We have tons of stuff planned for Marvel because we like to cover our current favorite pop culture obsession. There's so much Marvel stuff that is going to be our obsession. <laughs> yeah. Marvel was like, do you want content? We were like, yeah. They were like, you got it. It's been 18 months. Of course we want something. We've just had this stuff sitting in the can. We're going to release it now. <laughs> Ugh, <right>. Finally. <laughs> All right. Before we get into the episode, friendly reminder, we have Facebook group. We have Discord. We have a Patreon. We're having bonus episodes on there. You can pick an episode for us to do. Also, bonus thing. We're very busy, guys. <laughs> but we love to give you guys stuff and we have a giveaway going on. So if you look on any of our social media or just do this here, we are giving away a to grow old in tote bag inspired by WandaVision. Yes, it's the saddest and chicest tote you could ever possibly want. <laughs> yes, make everyone else jealous, but don't look at it because it will make you sad. <laughs> All you have to do is on Apple Podcasts, just leave a review and a rating and also it makes it easier for us to contact you if you just put your Instagram or Twitter handle on there. The very bottom of the review. That way, when you win, hey, I can just contact you instead of the last time I was like, hello, who won this? Yelling into the void, void, void. Is this you? you? <laughs> All right. So let's get into our very first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you have not watched the first episode, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler warning. But okay, let us officially <laughs> take a bite of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 1, New World Order. Okay, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to come out before WandaVision. 
And I'm still trying to, I know that all the shows that are going to be coming out are going to be so different in tone, especially with the character. I mean, if you look at the MCU movies, typically they're a little different in tone. You know, Thor Ragnarok was nothing like Captain America Civil War, but going from like such a genre bending grief recovery show like WandaVision to like a Captain America Winter Soldier-esque style show was very jarring welcoming sure it's a little more gritty there's a little more action hopefully in every episode but guess what we still got grief 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 oh my god yay (laughs) so in this episode titled the new world order it opens with sam getting ready for something and we see that he has cap shield and he's putting it inside of a carrying case but during this moment we hear the words how's it feel sam says like it's someone else's. That's from the conversation that Steve and Sam had in Endgame with old man Steve when he was sitting there and passed on the shield quite literally to Sam. And so I think it's interesting that they chose to say, remind us of those words because I think what a lot of us have speculated going forward is it's titled Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not new Captain America <laughs> and Bucky Barnes. You know, so it's like, I feel like they all, they have to get over their whatever they're going through to get to the next stage. Yeah, totally. I mean, the thing is, is that like, obviously Steve has every confidence that he can take the mantle of Captain America. He ends the conversation by saying it isn't anybody else's, it's yours. Right. Um, But I think what this is shaping for us is that it's showing like these people were gone for five years. Like we all have to remember that it's still after coming back from the blip. This is a real deal. Yeah. You know, they came back, they saved the world, but everything is topsy-turvy. Nothing is the same. So it's like, um, I just got back, Steve. <laughs> I know you just lived a whole life in the past, but uh, I got things on my plate. <laughs> well, I think it, it is interesting that speaking of the blip and we're seeing two out of two so far with Marvel's new phase four stuff is that the ramifications I feel like are much higher in this than we've seen in the MCU so far. And because of this one thing, I loved that it wasn't actually like the comic books where everything's building to this big event, the big event happens, and then they have like a reboot or the next issue is everything's fine. We're not even going to talk about that. You know, so it's cool that they're carrying on with that. They could have just easily been like, okay, that's it for that MCU chapter. We're just going to you know, carry on. Yeah, it's it's not like when a character disappears on a sitcom and nobody mentions them ever again. Right. It's like, no, this thing happened. Right. Everybody has to deal with it. Love it. Yeah. And if kind they're of. sitting in it, you have to sit in it too. Yay. It's not like we've been in quarantine and, you know. <laughs> we haven't had our own worldwide pandemic to deal with. It's fine, Marvel. It's too real. The blip is COVID. <laughs> Maybe that's the real reason they released WandaVision first. They're like, they can't deal with the more serious one. Let's give them the sitcom-y one first. It'll be fine. All right. Basically, this first episode feels like a prologue to a bigger story. So this episode really felt like a vehicle to reintroduce us to that action aesthetic, who Falcon and Bucky are. You know, Falcon can fly and blow things up. And Winter Soldier used to be a ruthless Hydra brainwash killer. Episode over. Episode over. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam is working. He's now working with the U.S. military on a mission to rescue a U.S. soldier from Batrock. Zaliper. Zaliper. Mm -hmm. So remember him from Winter Soldier? He's the guy that had the yellow and purple. He was the first person that Captain America fought in Winter Soldier. He's cool. I mean, he's he likes to kick and flip. I'm all for it. Bonjour. <laughs> so all of this, it's really cool because we get this 10-minute 
action sequence, essentially, where it all takes place in the sky, in Falcon's territory. And he's, you know, speeding through valleys and dodging missiles. It's really designed to remind viewers what Falcon's skill set is. That really hinges on lightning fast reflexes and aerial combat. So, And obviously abs of steel because the man's <laughs> legs are always straight behind him. He is solid in the core, my Good friend. point. Yes. Yeah, nothing's... Oh, man. He can plank like nobody's business. You know, I might just be overthinking this, but, you know, to think of... Because it doesn't... His arm, His hands aren't really attached to his wings. Like, he does control them in some shape or form. Not too sure how that works. Maybe on the gloves. Mm. But the pack is the thing that propels him forward. Just thinking about how tight that has to be, because... I mean, you would think that the force of it would kind of hit the back of his head. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I one time lifted my arms up on a roller coaster <laughs> and I ended up in a fetal position in the seat. I couldn't get back up. It was so scary. So I could I could never, I could never have the gorgeous flight of Sam as Falcon. No, his like power set or abilities really seem like the most uncomfortable because at least <laughs> Tony was literally in a suit. He... It just does not seem comfortable I to mean, me. I mean, like, things are exploding. There must be de- debris and ash. Have you ever been caught in, like, sand blowing uh, with the oh wind? Oh, my eyes. Oh, my yeah. God. Ouch. No, thank you. No, that happened. <laughs> so another reason for this scene, aside from the amazing opening for the show, is we're introduced to Lieutenant Torres, played by Danny Ramirez. Pretty much Falcon's boots on the ground, who's tracking the hijacking in real time for him. We also do see when... Falcon gets to Badrock's plane, we see Red Wing again. He has a little more screen time than he did before in Civil War, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it's fun because he kind of communicates with him. He talks to him. This Red Wing sort of chirps back to him. It's delightful. Is it a real Falcon? Absolutely not. No. But um, (laughs) it seems a little more lively. I do miss the actual Falcon because he had powers and be able to telepathically link to it <laughs> well that's right i'm hoping that the final reveal of this entire series is that he can actually communicate with birds and he does get an actual red wing <laughs> really cool once falcon gets in this plane they're fighting they're shooting at him he's blocking it with his wings but then the poor pilot gets killed e. so Badrock is pretty much the leader or running laf which i have no idea what it stands for oh i know what? The laugh a lot, friends. Okay, no, you know, besties. I need to really know it. <laughs> oh, that's what I made up. So the U.S. military guy that Falcon is trying to save at this point, they take him. They get in their little squirrel gliding outfits, take him out. They play hot hostage, like hot potato, but hot hostage. They all leave the plane, right? Okay, so there's only the dead pilot in there, and it's on autopilot. My question is, what happens to the plane? It beautifully lands itself okay. in the in Libyan airspace, and it just hangs out, and it's fine. No, I think it crashes. As soon as they left the plane and it didn't, like, explode or anything, I'm like, oh, it's just going to forever be flying. Oh, we want to talk about continuity right now? How long was he knocked out that they all got their squirrel suits on? Not one of them had a squirrel suit on. He falls to the floor. Taurus is like, oh, hey, Sam. And then they're in squirrel suits, and like, ba-bang! I'm like, when? What? When? What? Okay. Hey. Those didn't seem that hard to put on. It was literally like a giant trash bag. Falcon rescues him before they go into Libyan airspace because apparently the U.S. military wasn't allowed to go in there in the first place. But Batrock, before the helicopter that they're in, escapes. So I'm pretty sure we'll see him again at some point. I did think it was cool that in Winter Soldier, Captain America Winter Soldier, the first villain or big bad that Steve fights is Batrock and... Now, Sam, as the new Captain America, the first one he fights that we see is Badrock as well. 
So it's kind of cool. So this guy just starts trouble and then he like hops out and he's gone. Only for Captain America, though. (laughs) Right. Like, that's it. Totally. (laughs) All right. So the next scene we see, Sam meets up with Torres. And this is pretty much, it's just setting up another antagonist for the show. And he brings up the Flag Smashers. So if you listen to our last episode or our first episode for the season, pretty much telling you everything you need to know, we talked about the Flag Smashers. And in the comics, it's typically a person. There's been two people that held that mantle. And really what they want is just to liberate the world from government. A world without borders. Exactly. As they say in both the show and in the comics. To literally smash flags. Yeah. And I feel like in the comics, the group itself was called Ultimatum. I think they've, it feels like they've just taken Ultimatum and given it the name Flag Smasher. Which I'm, I like Flag Smasher better because I just don't care for Ultimatum. As well, it also is that ridiculous acronym. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember it? Ultimate Best Friend. No, I don't. I don't either. Rewind the tape. So it really seems that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to start playing on the idea of groups of domestic terrorists that thrive on chaos. It makes sense, too. I like that this group popped up during or after the blip, probably during the blip, because they got to see literally the world close down. Mm -hmm. I mean, just imagine like if half the population, just on Earth and not even the universe, was taken out like imagine your entire country's government happened to be part of that half and it's like okay (laughs) we're on our own folks we're doing it right so i'm sure there's plenty of stories that we're going to find out that happened in this time so smart love it so much all right so next scene we get is sam is at the smithsonian and he gives a speech about the shield and he's handing he's pretty much donating the shield to the smithsonian which is where captain america's exhibit is and who's in the crowd but none other than roadie so super happy to see another one of our Avengers in there, especially Rhodey. I feel like he's just been, he, one, he's underrated. I feel like a lot of people forget about him in the Avengers. But if you look at his track record, he is such a good support system for so many people. And he went through some shit. I mean, he's like, <laughs> he's Tony Stark's like second in command kind of, right? And so Sam was Steve's second in command. Yeah. I mean, his best friend. Right. Yeah, exactly. I would, yeah. I would say like Bucky... Is to Steve like Rhodey is to Oh, Tony. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You know what I mean? But also Sam fits into that too. But I'm just saying like as far as like best friends and how far they go back. Rhodey also has a good connection with Steve. So Sam kind of goes to him for advice and they, you know, they're able to talk to each other. After he gives the shield to the Smithsonian, they put it in a glass case. Rhodey tries to talk to Sam into carrying the shield and being Captain America. Like the hero the world needs right now. But Sam isn't really feeling it. So we are, it's confirmed now at this point that Sam is just like, it's, I don't feel like it's mine. Like, I don't, like, how do you live up to Steve? There's nobody. That's and I, what he feels like. And I think walking through this exhibit, like, we see things like sort of like the Captain America propaganda from the 40s during the war. Like, Captain America, I want you to buy war bonds. Mm. And I think that's also sort of representative, representative of some of the things that we were thinking of does Sam really even want to have to fulfill these duties that the quote unquote Captain America has to fulfill? Well, I think he also realizes though it is different. Mm. It must feel different one outside of the blip to be like, okay, I have to fill these shoes. But then also the blip happened. So the world is a completely new. I think Rhodey even said something about how allies are now enemies and enemies are now allies. Like everything's just kind of up in the air at this point. So Like, how do you navigate being this symbol for not just a country, but for people when 
I mean, where are those people at? Like, how? So I think the way to deal with it, though, is that you take a priceless vibranium shield <laughs> and you put it in a box. You know, I don't think Steve would have wanted that, Sam. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, he gave it to you. So you might want to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> The Captain America gave it to you. Even if you don't feel like you're ready now, maybe just hold on to it. Slide it under the bed. Just leave it there. Mull over it. It is, it is interesting because in the, the last scene, there is this funny conspiracy theory that Torres talked about and was like, is Captain America up on the moon? Like, did you guys put him up on the moon? Because if you think about it, we saw what happened to him, but it would make sense that the Avengers didn't tell the public that Steve is now like, 106 and super old and can't be Captain America that he just died during the events of Endgame, which he kind of did. So is he still alive? Did he actually die? Like, is he on the moon? <laughs> is he on the Did moon? Sam fly him to the moon? <laughs> They've been to space before. They can breathe there. We've seen it. <laughs> so now we're treated to a Winter Soldier flashback of him assassinating during his Hydra days. Again, the action is amazing in this. Like, I, I keep getting Winter Soldier vibes because I think the thing that people really appreciated about that movie is it wasn't... Gritty, I feel like, is a weird word to use, but just the action was intense. It was very personal and up close and they were long and drawn out. And to see the Winter Soldier as the actual Winter Soldier during his Hydra assassinating days... I mean, yeah, the hair is back. The mask is back. <laughs> He's given no Fs. He's saying hail Hydra on his last kill. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. So as we see him taking down all these guys, which apparently is like a hotel, which, I mean, imagine being in the lobby at that point. And after he does make his final kill and gives that famous hail Hydra, there's this like innocent bystander just trying to get into the room that's there for a conference. And wrong place, wrong time, Bucky ends up killing him. Then we find out that this flashback is actually revealed to be a reincurring nightmare that Bucky tells his therapist the next day. Your boy sleeps on the floor. <laughs> Can we stop there at that moment? This man is living in misery. He has a big screen TV and he sleeps on one blanket on the floor in front of it. Bucky, yeah. Bucky, get yourself a bed, baby. You know, I feel like that might be a callback to... So in Captain America Winter Soldier, when Steve and Sam are first interacting and it was after on your left and they're running and he goes and talks to him and, you know, Sam is talking about all the tours he did and the stuff he did and how he would sleep on the floor. And Steve kind of finished his thought. He's like, because sleeping on a bed felt like a marshmallow and you were going to soon sink to the floor. And so I feel like that's just like, you know, they all have been in the service. They've all, even if it's with Hydra, it's just that PTSD, mm -hmm. that whole like this is comforting type thing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that might have been why they did it because it is it is an odd choice for him to sleep on the floor. Let's talk about his therapist for a second. So she is like hilariously exhausted with Bucky and calls him a liar like almost immediately. This is the type of shrink that I would want because I feel like I need somebody to do that tough love and like call me on my bullshit, not just be like, how do you feel about that? Tell me more about that. It's like, no. I really loved this scene. I felt it was like super intimate almost, especially with a lot of the camera angles, how they zoom so close in on their faces. Mm. Um, and one of the things I liked was Bucky sitting on this couch in front of this forest mural. Mm -hmm. And it feels very much like he's lost in the woods, right? He's having trouble finding his way and he's just stuck there. And he yeah. doesn't know where he's going. And he's, wow. he's here with the therapist for help, but he's, he keeps putting up blockade after blockade. Yeah, it's interesting to see how she deals with it. You know, like I didn't expect that, like that interaction with that, but 
even just pointing out what you did with the mural behind him, I'm like, oh, I didn't even, I thought that was a cool shot, but I didn't look like into the meaning of it, which I think you probably should be doing that. <laughs> but I think her relationship with him is really good because she says later on in the scene, something like when she was in the service, she saw specific things and it shaped who she was. So she can relate to him. And I think she knows that the way to get through to him, because she might have been in a similar situation to him, is to just be frank and tell him to cut the bullshit. Right. There's yeah. no beating around the bush. Like you said, he needs someone that's going to say to him, you're being ridiculous. Tell me the truth. I know you're lying. He does. He kind of responds to that and like, give me a break. You know, I had a little bit of calm, but I was killing people for 90 years. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like... I don't think he was necessarily like, I get that you were in the service, but I literally had no rest for 90 years, Mm -hmm. like just constantly being frozen, woken up, killing frozen, you know, all of that. And he's dreaming about it. So it's not like he doesn't really know about it. So I think there is that extra layer of like, I get what you're, where you're coming from, but like, there's more to this than you can see here. And, you know, the whole point of this is it seems like it's part of his pardon. So this is like government mandated or at least federal mandated that he has to go to these therapies. Thankfully they had like the perfect therapist to do this, but part of his therapy is that he has to make amends to people. And he has a whole list of people that he's making, making amends to and crossing them off as he goes. There's a really funny montage scene where he's making amends to a Senator that he helped become Senator, but like in the most Bucky way possible. Yeah. And it's funny because apparently to meet the requirements to make official amends, let's call them, there's three steps, mm-hmm. right? So the first one is nothing illegal. The second one is no one gets hurt. The third one is he has to verbally say to the person, I am no longer the winter soldier. I am James Bucky Barnes, and you are a part of my effort to make amends. But what's funny is that in the first step, she's like, what's step number one? He says, nothing illegal. But as, and he says to her, all I did was give some intel to the aid and I wasn't involved in anything else. Yeah. But we see this other horrible thing that he's doing, which isn't horrible because the person is horrible, but he's he's doing more than just giving information to someone. Like, I'm all for it, though. Like, he's doing what he needs to do. It's one thing to like, I mean, how is he supposed to like, you have to think about the level of shit he did and the things he has to make amends for, like murder and, you know, blackmail. And you can't just walk up to those people. You know what I mean? And be like, oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Or like, this is who I am anymore. So he has to kind of go about it in his own Bucky way. I'm all for it. Also, it's more entertaining that way. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) like this person on his list is obviously a horrible person. So they kind of need to be scared shitless. (laughs) Right. True. At one point, Dr. Rayner ends up taking his phone and pretty much roasts him on having no friends or friendships, but mentions nothing about him having a flip phone. Oh, I am so here for Bucky's low-tech life, okay? I was like, oh, flip phone, nice. Just some light texting, maybe. His list of amends is in a little notebook that he keeps in his pocket. I'm like, okay, this is great. It reminds me a lot when Captain America come back, he kept a little notebook of like pop culture references or like new references. So I guess I can see that these super soldiers that were frozen for many, many years need need some low-tech steps. (laughs) Look, you can't go from the 40s to 2023 when this is taking place immediately. True. You need to bring some of the old stuff back with you. It turns out Bucky has at least one friend, a kindly old man named Yori, who it does turn out that is the father of the innocent guy that he did kill. But he gets him a date with the cute waitress at the place they go and get lunch with. So we're seeing that, again, 
when we saw what he did with that senator, that he's doing it in his own ways. But I feel like this one, he's having trouble doing it. Like he's gotten too close, I think, to this man. And I think that there's a difference between making amends or dealing with a person on this list that did something bad, right? Someone did something bad and now you want to make up for it so you could do something bad back to them. With this person, you did something bad to them. So how do you make the wrong of killing their son right? I mean, you can't. Exactly. There's no way. And, And that's the thing. And I think that Bucky has to deal with being a human again because for so long he was a machine. You know, you should confront your mistakes and your past and stuff like that. But like, this is like a little too much confronting Bucky. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I don't know how he's going to get out of it. It is really upsetting and it is sad. But a part of me is, I don't know, like you can tell from the conversation he has with the waitress and Yuri that, you know, he's going through a lot. He sees Mochi and he gets really upset because it reminds him of his son. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Bucky is in a way, not only because he probably likes him, but he's there for him because he needs somebody. So in a way, he is helping him, even though he's the direct cause of him being where he's at. Uh, it's a mess. Yeah. You know, just when this, when I was like, oh, this show possibly couldn't be like too upsetting aside from the, you know, Steve stuff. No, never mind. We're going to be confronting all of the people that survived from Bucky's killings. <laughs> Things are happy. No, they're not. Things are a mess. Yes, they are. Sushi! <laughs> All right, so cut to Louisiana, and we're introduced to Sam's sister, Sarah Wilson. We slowly find out that she wasn't blip. She didn't vanish during Thanos' first snap. We're kind of seeing through her. I hope this isn't the only vehicle she's used in as, like, story-moving or plot device-y for Sam. But we see that, you know, their family has a boat. That's how they made their living, but the boat has been broken down, and she wants to sell the boat. And Sam, being gone for just taking a five-year nap and waking up, I can see where she was struggling with that for a while and having to support kids on her own and it was nobody else but herself while the world is literally disappearing around her. She had time to make that decision. She also can't fix the boat. Sam comes back. We can fix this. We're not going to sell this. This is mom and dad's. The whole sibling thing where it's like they're not meeting at the same point because they're not at the same point. Absolutely. Imagine that you've had five years to make this huge life decision. You finally come to terms with it. Your family dreamed the Paul and Darlene, which is the name of the boat named after their parents. (laughs) And you're going to be letting that piece of your family's history go. And then your brother, who's been gone for five years, just comes back. He's like, no, you can't sell the boat. It's fine. I mean, to be fair, on his part, he has lost a lot. You know, he just recently lost Steve, too, and then Tony. And so it's, you know, it's a lot to deal with. But I mean, I still feel like if If she made that decision, she should, regardless if it's half of your guys' stuff or not. So now we're back with Bucky, and he's on that date with that cute waitress that he was set up with by Yuri. But it's at the same restaurant that she works at, which part of me was like, that's kind of lame. But they drink and play board games, and it's very intimate, and then I like it. And I'm like, okay, I see that. This would work for me. Yeah, it seems a little more, (laughs) it's like laid back. It's not high pressure date. You know, he walks in, he hands her flowers. She's like, oh my God, that is so adorably old school. And we all have to remember that (laughs) our boy Bucky is still courting like it's the 40s. I mean, that's what you did. You bought her flowers. You maybe got her a corsage. You went on a sweet date. (laughs) Things are moving too quickly for Bucky. Imagine if he did give her a corsage. That would have been better. (laughs) They should have done that. It's funny because she does ask how old he is and he's like 106. 
And she laughs and he's like, oh, yeah, that's supposed to be a joke. And it's like, Bucky. (laughs) No, it's real. So she asks him if he's been dating and he says, yeah, he's done some online dating, which is fantastic. I wonder what his picture is. But anyway, um, I think it's hilarious that she's like, so how's it been? He's like, yeah, there's weird stuff out there. Tiger pictures. Yeah. Okay. I One, I'm not too sure if he actually was online dating because I have no idea what that means. But he had a flip phone. And last time I checked, Tinder or whatever floats your boat app was not on <laughs> was not compatible with a Motorola Razor. Unless it was on the computer and then what are you on plenty of fish? Like Okay, <laughs> Cupid. For sure. eHarmony baby. <laughs> Wintersoldiersonly.com. <laughs> is all. Oh, is there oh, it's like um it's like a bin blipped.com. It's all the people that came back from the blip or something oh, like that. Oh, blipped and in love. Oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> mm, start it. But I was like, okay, let's get into the X-Men crossover. Is there a mutant that is a tiger lady? The X-Men are real. It's happening. I mean, but that was her profile <laughs> picture. She's like, mm, I'm a mutant. <laughs> she looks like a tiger. Hey, what can she do? She needs love. Anyway, so... One of the bigger things that we find out in this scene is that she also reaffirms that Yuri is having a terrible time. Like, Mm. he's not dealing with his son passing away properly. He just needs to know what happened. The only person that literally knows what happened is Bucky. Yeah, I mean, she's doing a lot of triggering things during this date, right? First of all, there's a cat with a metal arm just reminding him (laughs) that he has a bionic arm. They play (laughs) Battleship, which is like, okay, maybe not for... War games? Yeah, exactly. And then she's like, oh, by the way, Yuri's really depressed because someone killed his son. And he's like, that was also me. It's too much. And then she's like, you drink a lot. What's going on? It's an intense date. So cut to Torres is in Switzerland attempting to infiltrate the Flag Smashers. He stumbles upon a meeting, I guess, because he's been tracking them. Well, turns out you just walked into a Flag Smasher heist, my dude. (laughs) OMG. So we see this person kneeling down in the street, taking Flag Smasher masks out, passing them to all these people. Torres has, I guess, some sort of app or he's following their... Uh, underworld chatter and this message comes up that says ren which means run in german Mm -hmm. and a siren goes off someone comes flying out of the top windows of a building with two duffel bags and we hear someone say that it's money they've robbed the bank so he runs up to this guy this guy kicks him he goes fly into a lamppost so these people aren't your normal run-of-the-mill humans something else is happening here yeah he gets manhandled pretty intensely i mean he's trained so you would think that he would have no problem but it's clear that these people have maybe a little extra help from the super serum spectrum maybe who yeah, knows they've, they've gotten into some goods yeah, somewhere along the line. definitely super strength but it's not clear at the moment if all of them have it because it, ju- it did seem like one guy that jumped out of the window was able to land perfectly on his feet but then they passed it off and then they passed it off to the strong guy so it Who knows if all of the Flag Smashers Mm. have it or not. So I guess that's a mystery to be solved later on. We meet up with Sam and Sarah. They do go to a bank because Sam talked Sarah into going to the bank and getting a loan out. But it turns out despite their loan agent recognizing Falcon as an Avenger and the person that, I don't know, saved the universe and takes a selfie with, he doesn't help him out. He doesn't give him the loan. We also find out that... They, like, don't get paid, the Avengers. They just, as as Sam put it, you know, based off of goodwill, and they kind of get help just for helping out, you know? So why wouldn't they get paid? I mean, Tony is, like, literally the richest person 
going by Marvel comic standards, the richest person in the world, <laughs> he could shell out a few extra dollars. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is messed up. And I mean, the bank guy is just a total turd Ferguson. And he just is like excited there's a famous guy in front of him, but he's not willing to help him or his family at all. Yeah, after he denies them, he's like, can I get a selfie? I'd be like, no. Not want- the time, Broseph. Yeah. Give me a loan and I'll give you a selfie. Okay. Yeah, not cool. And it's even messed up because they hold the blip against people. He's like, well, you haven't made money in the last five years. She was like, because he didn't exist. Yeah, that's so weird. So I, I did like this, though, because I think it was a question that we might have later on or if we thought more about this post blip world. And I'm glad that they're answering these types of questions or at least giving you a little peek like, yeah, people kind of weren't making money, but also banks weren't making money, possibly. The post-blip, you know, economic state is in shambles. Well, I mean, get this. You're a person that's that disappears. You come back. I'm like, I was a librarian. I guess my job isn't there anymore. Like, what do I do now? Any Anything that you knew is right. no longer. Right. So it's all messed up. Yeah, because at this point, this takes place six months after Endgame. So it's still... I mean, six months is not enough time to like rebuild a world after people just start popping back into mm-hmm. existence. So it's I'm I'm super excited to see where this goes and how much of this is gonna explore because WandaVision took place like three weeks after. This takes place six months. So we're getting further down the timeline. So it's gonna be interesting to see like how eventually Yeah, the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is actually a comment on micro and macro economics. (laughs) We're just going to be learning about money trends in the after the blip MCU world. (laughs) No, thank you. So the final scene of this episode, Torres sends Sam the video of the Flag Smashers and being like, hey, um, Sam, this isn't great. Sam notices that some of them are a little more stronger. Sarah comes into the room and she's like, hey, you need to see this. And then Mr. Government Dude that was present at the ceremony when Sam gave the Captain America shield to the Smithsonian says, the country has a new Captain America and introduces the gooberiest goober I have ever seen. Captain Goober. (laughs) John Walker. So we have a new Captain America. I'm doing air quotes here. And if you listen to our last episode, you'll know who this character is. So if you don't want that spoiled, just kind of don't listen to it then <laughs> and let it unfold for you that way <laughs> and that is the final moment of this episode this goober giving a little goober wink smile at the screen and everybody is furious i think it's so funny that every he literally had a second of screen time did a weird smirky smile and everybody was like nope no thank you <laughs> gonna pass move on on to the next not my captain nope <laughs> no sir <laughs> i mean i'm 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 the same way i think it's just we all love Steve. And then we we're like, oh, Sam is the new Captain America because he gave him the shield. Great. All for that. And then it's like, nobody picked you. Nobody asked you. Also, why do you have the shield that was just donated to the Smithsonian? Looks like that box <laughs> had a real easy key to unlock it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious because we know from the trailer that Sam is practicing with the shield. So I don't know if he did that in the interim months. Maybe mm-hmm. that was like a flashback. A flashback. Right. Or... He gets the shield back somehow. I really hope he does. But how does he get it back? There's gonna be a battle. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited. I, I did like this episode. I felt it was very, it is disconnected and it's kind of jumping back and forth because we have Falcon 
and also the Winter Soldier at this point. It's not fully Falcon and, and the, the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. <laughs> so I'm just waiting for them to get together and then we can go. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think there's just like so much still that we haven't even seen. Right. Mm-hmm. So we know that Zemo is going to be coming and Sharon's going to be coming. And it's like, where are they? And mm-hmm. I just like I'm just like thinking about the amount of baddies in this. Right. So maybe the new Captain America is going to be a baddie. And then we have the Flag Smasher is going to be a baddie. And then we have Zemo. And then we have Batroc you know, somersaulting through the air someplace. <laughs> it's like, there's so many things that are happening. It's all going to come into some giant moment that's going to be mind-blowing. All right. So I did want to point out some little Easter eggy things or neat details. We do have blog posts where it's like the Easter eggs in this episode, the Easter eggs in this episode. So you can go there and read it there. But I'm going to also say it here. <laughs> so, so one thing to note that Joaquin Torres, the Sam's man on the ground, in the comics, he's actually a pretty big character. He takes over the mantle of Falcon when Sam becomes Captain America. So he becomes Sam's sidekick, essentially. And in the comics, he's also half bird. Yeah. <laughs> like he has literal wings and crazy bird eyes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if they're going to go there. His costume's pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A cool detail that I noticed, because we do have watch parties, so we watch it a few times, and the carrying case that the shield is in is the same carrying case that Steve had the shield in when he gave it to Sam. That's awesome. I thought that was a sad little detail, but if it's monogrammed, I swear it's just (gasps) too much. (laughs) Oh my God. Now, does it say CA for Captain America or does it say SR? CA is for anyone. So he knows he could pass it on. I think Steve, Steve thinks about things like that. I trust it. (laughs) The list of names that we talked about in the notebook that Bucky had, kind of have to pause it to see the names, but I wanted to point out some of them because I think they're really interesting and I think might actually tie to later movies being the first one. So Rostov is one of the names referenced on there and he's the Red Baron and the Red Baron is in the Black Widow movie. So I think that's pretty interesting. Mm. Helmut Zemo is one of the names on there, which we know he's going to be in here later. And also a really cool Easter egg for Marvel themselves is Kaminsky, which is a writer for Marvel Comics that wrote some of Sam's stories in the comics. I don't know why Bucky would have them on their list, but (laughs) it's cool to have the name on there. (laughs) All right. And another one that I think is really cool, and just to mention on here that we haven't mentioned throughout the episode, is you have to have a really fast like pause finger for this one. But in the end credits, we see a reference to Mandapore. And if you're a big X-Men fan, you know that's a pretty important city for X-Men. And at one point in the comics, part of that city was taken over by Hydra. So not cool to throw that in there if you're not going to do the X-Men because they keep planting all these seeds of X-Men. Hey, by the way, Mandapore, ever heard of it? So (laughs) I think it's interesting. I, I do remember some stills and photos for this season And the way it looks, it kind of looks a little, not like, like Neo steampunk a little bit. And that looks kind of like Mandapore. So if they go to Mandapore, I'm going to be looking out for (laughs) X-Men. Just saying. Are we just getting bonered again? I don't want to get boned again. We're getting boned again. They're going to bone us. We've been boned. So those are like the little Easter eggs that I thought was of note to point out that we didn't talk about in the episode. Listen, y'all. It's a new property. So you know what that means. There's a new special segment. It's the first edition of Bird Facts. Good God. So. I... <laughs> when... <laughs> Literally how this segment came to be is Derek saying that and he was like, oh my God, I'm going to do Bird Facts. I was like, okay. As you know, 
I am mourning the fact that Red Wing is not an actual bird. So to make up for it, every episode, I am going to give you a fact about a real life bird. It's the first edition oh of God. Bird Facts. So for this edition of Bird Facts, we are meeting the one and only Watson. Seen in parts of South America, they are red, black, and tan in hue with a blue face and a sweet mohawk crown. This plump species is also known as the reptile bird, skunk bird, or even stink bird. I have the weirdest visual in my head right now. It's it's that weird. You guys have to look this up. Yes, that's right. This bird is known as one of the smelliest birds in the world. Oh. Its diet contains hard-to-digest leaves that take a lot longer to break down than the more common foods of other birds, such as seeds and insects. The microbes that help to dissolve this tough grub create such a stench it has been likened to cow manure. Okay. Its crop, the organ where this fermentation process is taking place, is basically a little kombucha factory. Oh, gross. Yes. This bird smells so awful that even though it is plump and delightful, no one goes near it. How's that for a defense mechanism? What a shitty bird. But I'm ch- <laughs> what a shitty way to start your first se- segment. <laughs> it's the Watson. <laughs> you can't you can't end it with the theme song too. How what am I supposed to edit in there? <laughs> I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so ponder that. <laughs> Look up the Watson. And just know there's more bird facts coming your way. Oh, my God. There's going to be so many bird facts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for this episode. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to A Bite Of, artwork and editing by our own Noah. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at A Bite Of Pod and on Facebook at A Bite Of. If you have questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can email us at abiteofpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to rate and review to spread the word. Hope you join us next time on A Bite Of. Bye. Bye.